Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Tell us about your journey and what your relationship with dance has actually been over the years. Um, my journey is quite unique because um, I started dancing when I was three years old and I had no intention of becoming a dancer until I went to college at the age of 18. But my mother was actually my ballet teacher. She was trained in London at the Royal Academy of Dance and she came over um, at the age of 18 to study ballet. Um, long story short, she ended up uh, training at Dance Theatre of Harlem for a little bit before moving away into doing other things. So when I was born, of course, I fell right into the dance world. Um, I did varsity tennis. I was the cheerleading captain. I did the debate team. I played the violin for seven years. I also went to Robert Wood Johnson Mini Medical School. I was very much into becoming a doctor. Yeah. Um, even to this day. I go into a hospital, there's something about it that gets me a little excited, almost equivalent to how I feel on stage. Um, so anyway, I thought I was going to get into NYU because then I would be able to study dance and medicine at the same time. I got rejected. I ended up getting into Ailey Fordham BFA program, which is a tough program because you got to get into Fordham University and you got to get into mm -hmm. Alvin Ailey separately. Otherwise, you cannot major in dance. Um, by the time I finished my sophomore year, um, I got asked to apprentice with Ailey too, the junior company of Alvin Ailey, American Dance Theater. And next thing you know, I finished my finals and I was touring. I remember being in Italy for my 21st birthday, which was like ridiculous. <laughs> um, after that, um, I freelanced for a little bit. I got a chance to do a gig with Beyonce. I got a chance to work with Oakland Ballet. Um, and I also got asked to join Collage Dance Collective, which at the time was founding a new company in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, my parents are also were also getting sick at the time, so I needed to leave Collage to come back to home, AKA New York City. Um, my mother passed away January of last year. And next thing you know, I'm with Dance Theater of Harlem uh, a little bit prior to that. So it's weird because I also was a student in the DTH school. Um, you know, I was around when Arthur Mitchell was around. And it's, it's just so full circle how like things have kind of come back. But my relationship to dance now is much deeper. Um, I just completed my master's in dance at the Hollins University and that program just forces you to get rid of everything you knew about dance and kind of see dance in a whole different way. Um, and it's really opened up and broadened my perspective on dance in general, spirituality, Afrofuturism, all of these different things that I've, I've come to add to my tool belt. So this is where I am now with dance. I'm seeing things very differently and I'm also one of those dancers that 
I feel like I can go anywhere. I want to do Broadway. I, I want to do this kind of work. I want to choreograph. I want to do, I'm a jigsaw puzzle. Um, and that's where I am right now. <laughs> so although I'm with Dance Theater Harlem and we're getting ready to start our season, uh, my brain is always, you know, doing international engagements, um, working on the next next thing, working with choreographers, friends, projects. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, the first thing I want to say is very interesting and cool that you had this like normal, I don't really know enough to call it <laughs> or not, but it had a yeah. cool experience. You didn't necessarily know you wanted to pursue dance until 18. Yeah, my mother never forced me. Um, you would think, okay, mm -hmm. as the teacher's daughter, she didn't want that backlash. She didn't know, you know, I'm not going to have her turn around at 18 years old and say that you forced me into this. It was right after my Juilliard audition. It was right after that audition when I made it to the last six. That's when I realized maybe I do have an ounce of talent. Um, maybe I'll try it out. If I don't like dance, I'll switch into biology. I'll switch into something else. But that's when I realized, oh, wait, this is a whole new world because I've never been to a performing arts setting before. I've just done the local you know, local dance studio, Valley Tap Jazz competitions here and there. Um, so this really pushed it. And I, I guess part of it was fear. I didn't think I could make it. Um, you know, my mother struggled a little bit with dance, even though she, you know, quote unquote, whatever making it is. But I also had a complex issue about, you know, the, the arts here in this country, how athletes are making so much more and you have dancers that are just as powerful as athletes, but have um, the complexities of being an artist and we don't get rewarded the same specifically in this country. And I had an issue with that, especially being first-generation American. Um, so of course that route was to go into something that gave you some sort of stability like medicine, um, where things are constantly happening. Um, but that was a little bit of that. But now I realize, you know what? Um, I've had instances where people say, you know, I had an audience member said um, he was on the verge of committing suicide until he saw performances. Um, so that's when I realized the power of the performing arts and that changed, that also kind of changed the game and just going international, being able to tour at such a young age, I was just able to see how people were able to connect to this art. This was way bigger than what I was thinking. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it sounds like from the very beginning, you always had such, you called, you called yourself a puzzle or a jigsaw puzzle. Oh. Um, and one thing I'm constantly talking about with the dancers I work with is the importance of building this multifaceted approach to your dancing. And I think a lot of dancers, younger dancers struggle with this, right? Because they see, they, they yeah. want it from a young age. They think they want this track <laughs> and it's the only thing that's important to them. And they forget about all the other experiences to pick up. But sounds like those experiences are what really have brought you to where you are now, which is to have so much depth in your performance and in your artistry. Yeah, I think a little bit of that was school too, because you're surrounded by, you know, dance majors and non-dance majors. So you're seeing what other people are doing in the space. Um, one thing about Fordham was that, you know, they said Fordham is your school, but New York is your campus. You know, go out mm. there and see shows, making sure you're learning how to do stage hands, making sure you're learning how to do company management, um, getting other size certi certifications and degrees. Like I'm certified in alkaline vegan nutrition. Um, as well, I'm already completing my Pilates certification. Like, there's other things to do. Um, now, I will say that you don't want to go that far extreme to the point where you're not even focused on your dance. But I think, you know, from that period of being 18 to, to where I am now, I had plenty of time to perform, be on different stages, hear what audience members are doing, being able to go to museums, take in everything of the world in order to spit that out back on stage. And now I'm at a process where I can kind of dibble and dabble. Um, 
But yeah, I think we tend to get confused. We tend to just think it's one track. And yes, you want to be focused. And that's not a bad thing. Um, but there's also something to be said as we continue to re remember, like, wait, there's rest of life. There's other life things happening. Um, and I think that got amplified also when my mother passed. I'm a caregiver for my father. So I'm in a completely different space than most um, women my age. Um, taking care of, you know, my father, which is not an easy thing to do and being able to tour and, and, and so. Wow. Well, I honestly give you a lot of credit because that is not easy to carry no. on your plate. <laughs> many different aspects of your life going on at the same time. That's not easy. But it sounds like you for forever have just taken challenges and run with them and use them as just opportunities. I mean, that's all you can do. I mean, I want to be able to look back and be like, oh, okay, like, I tried this and I tried that. And if I fail, so what? Like, the word to me, no, means next opportunity. So I'm always <laughs> like, I'm not afraid to fail because I think it's worse when you don't go for it and then you look back and like, oh, I could have done this. Like, you know, that's how I feel with Broadway. It's like, wait, wait I want to try it and see. And if I fail, then at least I said I can try. So, yes. I love that, by the way, you know, defining no as, okay, well, what's next? Yeah, next, next opportunity. <laughs> love that. So shifting gears a little bit, your love of food, at what point in your life would you say you realize that food, um, that there is this relationship with food that it sounds like for you, food is more than what it does for your performance, but it's also like a true, a true relationship that you have with it in Oof. your life. So I'd love to hear more about this. I think that happened most when I first got my job with um, Alvin Ailey too. I think being around the dancers and of course I was like, oh no, like how do people eat on tour? How do people just dine in anyway? Because I'm used to cultural foods. I'm used to oxtail and carimaniolas and, um, you know, arroz con pollo. Like I'm used to those being my everyday meals. Shepherd's pie because my mother had the English side. Um, so I'm used to these very rich foods. So of course, um, but once I became professional, I saw how some dancers were cutting foods out. Um, but I noticed for the women, I noticed food was a factor. And I remember just not really thinking too much of it. But if you actually listen to your body, it is telling you some things. Of course, the older you get, it amplifies. So I think that was when I first started noticing um, the way foods affect the body. From there, um, I did complete um, alkaline vegan nutrition course, and I have a certificate for that. Um, and that awesome. was really interesting because I'm very much into how foods affect the body, especially being Afro-Caribbean and, you know, my grandmother having those roots in St. Lucia, different types of foods, you know, what to do when you're sick, what to do when you have back pains or whatever it may be. So I was very much into food and I love food. <laughs> so I just thought this was the perfect opportunity for us to chat. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that became more into practice once I first had my, my job. Sure. I want to hear about your relationship with, with cultural foods, though, because one yeah. thing that we unfortunately experience in this country specifically is a lot of whitewashing on nutrition yeah. recommendations. Uh, yeah. I know this from experience of just going through my dietetics program and literally having to relearn after the fact that a lot of what I cover in dietetics is actually really not culturally appropriate for most of the country. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? When you were going on tour, um, did you ever feel like you lost any parts of that, that cultural love for food that you had? Or were you able to keep it in any which way? 
I ended up adopting the culture of the countries I would go to. So for example, in Rome and Italy, you know, having a real bowl of pasta, like not Olive mm. Garden, I'm talking about a real bowl of pasta where it's not even that big. Um, and having a more Mediterranean diet, you know, going to Luxembourg, going to Paris and seeing how everybody there eats bread, like understanding the quality of foods. That was completely different. Eating meat in another country is very different than eating meat in America. I didn't so much lose that culture, but I just embraced the cultures at hand. But I also learned to celebrate that culture and not lose it um, based on what I was doing. So I do know, wait, the oxtail for me is very cultural. At my mother's funeral, that's what we dined on because that was our treat meal. Um, the plantains, the the rice and peas, like, you know, a typical Caribbean diet, flying fish of, of Barbados. Like, these are things that are also ingrained in me that I refuse to uh, give up in a sense because that does attach me to home. That's part of cultural identity. But at the same time, I cannot eat oxtail every single day. I cannot have rice and beans every single day. It's just not going to be, you know, possible with me. It's going to just make me keel over and sleep. So those are the things I'm starting to now notice more because I don't, I'm very big into um, maintaining of culture and identity, even with ballet. Like I'm one of those dancers that, you know, I'm learning the aesthetic. I'm not going to whitewash and brainwash myself as an artist. I'm so very true to my roots. Um, so I think that's all part of the identity and how food, it's, it's something I'm going to hold on to and continue to pass down while still embracing other cultures and things. It is so comforting to hear you say this because I do know that a lot of dancers struggle when they eventually go yeah. abroad. <laughs> experiencing you know new foods for, for a new time and especially if they're struggling with disordered eating um i would say disordered eating honestly steals away the cultural and experience yes. aspect of what food can be so hearing that you are actually prioritizing that yeah. experience and utilizing it as a cultural identity is uh, something that i just that's so important for other dancers to hear and younger dancers to hear. but it's also important to connect with the country i mean when i toured in china you know, actually having real Chinese food, like a Chinese hot pot. Yes, there were some things in there that were, I didn't even know what I was eating. <laughs> like there were some things I was just like, oh my God, what is this? And like seeing different stuff. But again, it became like you were immersed with the culture. I mean, that's how you connect with the people. And it's like, wait, this is their cultural food. Um, and like I said, I'm a foodie. I'm willing to try things internationally. I notice my body's okay. So again, it's about finding that balance and understanding the effects of what's going to happen. I know if I go to a Caribbean party and have, you know, if I was to have jerk chicken or something, I know the next day in class, I'm going to be a little bit more brain foggy. I'm going to be <laughs> not as on point. But again, like celebratory uh, situations where it's Thanksgiving, like my culture doesn't really do the whole turkey thing. My parents put a spin on it. Um, you know, for Christmas time, we don't have the, you know, sometimes we would have a uh, duck or sometimes we would actually have um, Caribbean stew with dumplings, like handmade from scratch. You know, that soup is there, you know, um, simmering on the, the, the stovetop for hours for Christmas and having black pudding where you light it on fire. Like, these are things that I will forever treasure. So it's like my relationship to food has to be both practical and cultural for my identity. Yeah. And other one thing I want to, like, point out here for the dancers listening, hearing you talk yeah. about. But honestly, it's a breath of fresh air because so often for dancers, you know, we do talk a lot about the idea of performance nutrition, which is yeah. so important and, you know, breaking down food, you know, calories for energy, protein, yeah, carbs, protein. Fat, 
<laughs> but I but I have to say, I have to say, Jeffy, listening to you talk about food, it's taking the emphasis away from that a bit and actually just talking about food in our country. Diet culture has a very prominent um, outlook on, you know, talking about like high protein, low fat, high fat, whatever. <laughs> they categorize it, yeah. You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm, we forget mm -hmm. about food as being food instead of just viewing food as like solely as Yeah, hearing you just talk about food being food um, and enjoying it for the experience is like everything. Yeah, I think it's it's a magic, it's an art. It's, it's you know, I'm there watching Chopped and I'm just like, yes. oh, I can't wait to get on that show because I want to see what I would do, you know? Like, it gets so creative. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of biology that goes into food. So, yeah. Absolutely. Finding that <laughs> So I want to ask you a little bit about, you know, pressures that dancers feel in regards mm -hmm. to body image and body aesthetics. Have, have you ever experienced that? Um, especially as a Black dancer, have you ever really experienced um, these pressures? I will say no. Um, I have not. Uh, the only pressures that have come has have been for me. You know, I sometimes I would be like, oh, but I got to look like Alicia Graff or I got to look like Sylvie Guillem. That was my own pressure. I was never told to lose weight. I was mm -hmm. never told to gain weight. I was never told to change my body. Um, and that I'm actually shocked about because I thought, oh, I'm going to have to change. But I look back at my, I was watching a video of me and I'm like, wait, but I look fit, you know, like. That is my body type, you know? I do remember, and let me, let me think back, there was a moment where I was in a summer intensive and a teacher was like, oh, you gained weight from last year. But I was also a teen. Um, you know, a lot is happening with teen women. Um, but no, I never got told anything about weight. Um, I also know that I have long legs and a little tiny torso. So I know how my weight sits on my body. I'm very bottom heavy, I'm pear shaped. And that's something I've been able to embrace. So I think part of it is just knowing uh, what my body looks like and also knowing, hey, like, we just got through a whole pandemic. Um, you know, we're not dancing as heavy. We will be starting that, you know, soon. But like just those recognizing those changes and how, you know, your body is always in constant flux, especially as a woman. You have your cycle, you have water weight, you have water retention. And it's like you have to be kind to it. You have to be like psychologically kind to it to understand how it works and then from there you kind of work on what you're interested in but i remember my um uh, what's her name oh she's my anatomy teacher rebecca dietzel she said if you want to lose weight cut off your leg <laughs> you know what i remember <laughs> we're all angry when she said that like really like we're all like you know these young adults in college trying to think that we need to be this big and she's like no you guys all look fine and now when i think about it and i'm talking to those same college students i'm like wait you guys are all fine like this is not the yeah. age of Twiggy back in the 1960s. I mean, look at the ballerinas from the 30s, 40s, and 50s. They, nobody wanted to be skinny. It meant you were poor. It meant you had no food. You know, like, it's just interesting. Um, but yeah, is the shaming so real? Is the, you know, firing dancers because, oh, your weight criteria, that's all still there. Um, but again, it's about knowing what your body can handle. Um, and being really cautious about how food plays a part um, in that it can't just be pushed to the side anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank goodness for Rebecca, your teacher, right? She, uh... <laughs> yeah, she said, cut off your leg. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah, the, you know, the truth yeah. is, 
methods for losing weight are so unsustainable, especially for yeah. a growing dancer, especially yeah. for a, a very active dancer. And um, I love how you mentioned just coming to terms with w what your body is and that's yeah. who you are and you got to run with it. And that's what, you know, the tool you're working with. Um, that's what makes our art and honestly our world cool. Yeah, that's one thing I noticed, you know, what works for some and I work for the other. That's also my body. It's just, that's how I was designed, you know, like that's my own personal little DNA. You know, it's just being responsive to what I need. And I just love how the body just lets you know you're feeling like this you need like it lets you know but you have to be educated on what that actually means <laughs> it takes time to really learn time. that and body needs and that's another thing i find that i've learned from these chats that i have with dancers is just the more seasoned dancers are the ones that are more confident with the choices they're making yeah. and you know because you've been there you've been on stage you've been off the stage you've been on the tours you know what works yeah. for your body times Absolutely. And everything has to be taken, you know, one day at a time. It has to be taken within the period of what you're working in. Um, but now I'm getting ready to go into my season. So now when I'm on tour, there's a reception and I know I'm six, seven, eight, nine, ten weeks in and there's a donut. I won't feel so bad about having that donut, you know, but it's mm. about ways of understanding how that's going to affect me um, and, and knowing that balance. But it took a while. It definitely took a while. And I'm grateful that I got the opportunity to set out by hearing many dancers as well. Absolutely. And let's talk about COVID a little bit. COVID obviously presented challenges for dancers, but did you feel that any opportunities, positive or negative, came out of the pandemic for you? Yeah, I think that was the busiest time I've ever been in my life. <laughs> I think, um, you know, Dance Theater Harlem was on a flight back from Detroit. And, you know, we had nothing for about two weeks. And literally right after that, I got a call from people saying, hey, can you teach Zoom classes? And I'm just like, oh, sure. You know, like that was one thing. And then, you know, doing online performances via Instagram Live, like collaborations, like just the creativity that came out was incredible. Um, it also gave me time to complete my master's because everything was shut down. I was able to work on my thesis in my living room and kind of go from there. So it became a really busy time, but I also took time to travel. Um, I traveled a lot during the pandemic, which was you know, <laughs> on the contrary, like safely, of course. But right. I, yeah, I did a lot of traveling and because everywhere was isolated, it just gave me a moment to stay grounded. And that's actually my word for this year um, is groundedness, like how to actually just pace yourself in a way. Um, but yeah, I think that was the most beautiful experience and just seeing how Dance Theater of Harlem as an organization kept us going, um, you know, salary wise, dance wise, like they did everything they could sending us Marley floors. I mean, it was really such a beautiful moment. So I think for me, I'm one of those people that goes with the flow. I don't freak out. I don't, you know, I kind of just like, all right, opportunities will come. Opportunities will come. Things will happen. Who's doing what? It's just being alert and aware of what's happening in the world and just knowing that there's this level of abundance that's going to flow. Um, and I think with that mentality, things kind of stayed open for me. But yeah, absolutely scary, devastating. I know friends who lost parents and things like that. So uh, and as well as dealing with, you know, grief from my mom six months prior. So there was a lot of that. But I guess just somehow staying rooted in faith and just knowing that, you know, it's going to take some time for us to kind of evolve from this the penny, as I call it. <laughs> no. And here we are still still going. 
still going. Yeah, still pushing forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Daphne, my final question for you, I ask this for all the dancers on here, but how would you define what it means to be the healthy dancer? Oh, healthy dancer. Yes, um, I would define that as being so well balanced, um, mentally, physically, spiritually, um, taking time for the self, um, indulging in luxury, indulging in travel, um, indulging in taking time to write, um, indulging in taking, you know, your headphones and just listening to your music. I think it's a balance of so many things. Um, being able to indulge in that dessert, um, but then also, you know, have your chia seed pudding. <laughs> you know, it's, it's that is the healthy dancer. The healthy dancer is someone who knows themselves so well, um, despite what other people may say, and just know how they're able to balance things out. And I think looking at themselves as a circle and just seeing, okay, how much can they divide themselves like a pie chart and how that pie chart is constantly moving. The same way the sun and the earth continues to rotate no matter what, I think the healthy dancer is and embodies that um, identity that they're always moving forward no matter if it feels like a step back. That's a healthy mindset to me. Yes, oh, you brought in such good insight. You know, always, I love the idea of always stepping forward even when you have regressions, right? Utilizing no as a way to say, okay, well then what is next? You know, not um, falling into what a quote unquote could be failure, which is not <laughs> another, it's no. just another step of what could be done and what, you know, what other opportunities present itself, even when tough things happen. Like you explained losing your mom just six months prior to this yeah. pandemic that, you know, slapped us all in the face. Yeah. And going so wow yeah i mean you have to have that balance the food the spirituality the um you know having a therapist um it's all of those things to keep you together otherwise you do tend to spiral out of control um because there's something missing it like every aspect of the body has to be nourished um and of course that looks like in food and of course that looks like in other ways um and i think yeah that's starting to click for me more and more but that's my desire for a healthy dancer healthy artist <laughs>